Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. Today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Pierre Pradevand. Suddenly I read in the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus, bless those who curse you. But of course, Pierre, it's so simple. You simply have to bless them. And there and then, I started blessing their goodness, in their peace, in their joy, in their abundance, in their family life, in everything, in their work, in everything you can imagine. He's just amazing. I discovered Pierre many years ago when I read his book, Messages of Life from Death Row. And more recently, I read 365 Lessons to Heal Myself and the World. And Pierre's been doing that his life, healing himself, but also the world. He's the most amazing 84-year-old gentleman who's written over 20 books and he's been making positive changes for decades, labouring most of his life for social justice, particularly social justice for women. So it's an honour, a pleasure, a delight to welcome Pierre Pradevand. Today on the show, I am absolutely honoured to be joined by Pierre Pradevand, who's a writer, speaker and workshop facilitator. So hello there, Pierre. Hello. Thank it's you lovely so- to be with you, really. It's such a joy. Oh, bless you. Now, I'm a little bit of a fan because you wrote a book many years ago about death row. and You've got a new book out now. I, uh, but not on death row, on, on, on other topics. But I am just going to start a third book on this inmate who was on the death row. We've got now we've gotten him out of death row and he's transforming a prison of 2,200 inmates. It's just amazing. We can speak about that later if you want to. Bless you. <laughs> so you've been a busy man because you've been creating positive changes for decades. So. Please do share what you've been up to. <laughs> I've been trying to. I, I'm now 84 and I'm 100% active. I have 17 hours days, seven days a week. So I'm not exactly retired. <laughs> I gave courses on retirement a few years ago. And I said, you know, I taught them all the right things. But I said, I'm never going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I was raised in England during the war. As a matter of fact, we were bombed out twice. 
that was an interesting experience because I always say that the British gave me a very important cultural her heritage. They gave me a sense of fair play at the time, at the time in the middle last century, it was very strong in England, especially in, in, in schools. And, and they gave me a sense of humor, a wonderful sense of humor because the Swiss have many qualities, but certainly humor is not their first quality. <laughs> So uh, it helps get through life so much easier. It truly does, doesn't it? If you're not laughing, you're probably crying or somewhere in between. Exactly. And then I, I went to classical high school, Greek and college, uh, Greek and Hebrew and Latin. And I was at Hebrew was at university. I did two years theology, which is completely the wrong road. But everything's useful in life. It was later very useful to me to understand why I would never go down that road. And then I studied sociology. And when I finished university, the United Nations, two organizations of the United Nations, this was in the 60s, listen well, they offered me a life contract with a salary at least 30% above the Geneva salary, at least two months vacation instead of two weeks in Geneva and special shops and no taxes. The international civil servants didn't pay any taxes. And I thought, hum, Pierre, have you come on earth to have a nice little house, a lovely little wife, two sweet children, a lovely, lovely little car, and just drag on, drag on, drag on like that? I don't think I've come on earth for that. And I left for Algeria without even a contract, just after the Boumediene government, the, the military, had chased the original founder of Algeria, Ben Bella. And uh, I'd met the Minister of Labor at the International Labor Office. That was with the earlier president. And I arrived at the Ministry of Labor. I arrived in the Algiers port the afternoon next morning I went to the ministry and fortunately the ministry of the, the, the director of work as they called him recognized me and they had such a desperate need for for cadres how do you say them you know people in in guiding positions because one million French had left Algeria and the country had absolutely no people to take on leading positions. So I was welcomed open arms. And, uh, and again, the United Nations, the International Labour Office, a few months later offered me a, a salary three times, the, at least three or four times the salary I was paid by the Algerians. And I said, no, because that wasn't my aim, it wasn't to earn money. And I did research, uh, sociological research for uh, an Algerian organization, which was absolutely fascinating because we interviewed women and men separately, over 2,000 couples all around the world, all, the, all around the country. And that we had some amazing experiences. That's where I did, discovered real patriarchy was in Algeria, which was also... Uh, 
almost 100% Muslim country. And uh, in one area of the country, the average number of children, which used to be about uh, three or four, the average, uh, that were, which or, or used to be six or seven, the average fell by half. And after two days, one of our astute uh, women interviewers discovered that, that mothers did not count their daughters in the count of children. If they had seven children, four daughters, they said, I have three, three children. There were three sons. The women didn't count. And for me, that was, you know, experiences like that, and there were many, were really a shock and awakened me to the plight of the woman in the third world, in most countries of the third world, and uh, and how privileged we were in the, in the in the West, although there is still a heavy layer of patri patriarchy, although that has improved tremendously in recent years and is improving and will one day completely disappear. And then I went to, to my doctorate at the University of Michigan, came back for the most wonderful organization I ever worked with in my life, for in my life, in West Africa, the American Friends Service Committee, a Quaker organization, organized the first meetings, conferences on family planning in areas, in an area where in some countries like Niger, the average, Shelley, the average number of children per woman was nine. Oh, That's wow. average. <laughs> in, in Switzerland today, it's 1.7, 1.7. There it was nine. And um, so it was, family planning was rather necessary. And then it went, I went on to create a, a, a very exciting, it was the most exciting professional experience of my life. I created an international magazine for the grassroots, the literate grassroots teachers, nurses, uh, rural, extensions work, rural extension workers, the very rare people in rural areas who could read and write. And it was so exciting because we uh, were constantly innovative. We were the first magazine in the whole of Africa to have a, an article on female circumcision. And uh, in many other areas we innovated. And that was so exciting. And then I came back to Switzerland in the early 80s. And since then I've had various activities. But since 92, I've been working full time as a trainer and writing. I started writing and I'm, I'm publishing two years, two books this year, two books next year. and. And I've published in all. I will have will have published by the end of next year, close to close to twenty books in twelve to fifteen languages. So I've had quite a busy life. Quite a busy life, yes, Pierre. I think you have had quite a busy <laughs> life. <laughs> Bless you. You've been such a powerful leader in like women's rights and like family planning and family circumcision. I, I had and no I idea. A, and I have a a wife compared to whom I'm a little bum in this area. She created a, a, a foundation, Women's World Summit Foundation. If you go on internet, you'll find WWSF, uh, Women's World Summit Foundation. And 
for me, it's one of the most important topics in the world today. I don't think humanity would have been ravaged by wars like it has been if women had been in their rightful position. I think uh, women are the better half of the human race and men better learn that quickly and really share power and really accept they have such, such a lot to learn from women. I That's hope you true. can distribute this, this uh, interview a lot, not because I'm speaking, but because the topic <laughs> is so, so important. And you guys out there, you need to really start changing. Bless you. Thank you so much for sharing your passion. And I know you share your words. So I'm really aware. I mean, I read your first book, like The Letters from Death Row, but you now have this wonderful book, 365 Blessings yes. to Heal Myself and the World. So you're still making this great difference in the world. How did the book come about? Well, you know, I think that's maybe the best book I've written. I, I, if you really want the real story, you want the real story of how the book came about? I always want the authentic story, Pierre, yes. <laughs> I can't give you anything less in any case. It's at least 30 years old, the story. I was working for a group of NGOs, non-governmental organizations in Switzerland. And uh, I loved my work. It was very, very modestly paid. Again, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs had offered me a very prestigious and well-paid job. And I, I took a very poorly paid job, but I loved. And doing something completely new, that is to say, introducing programs on third world issues in public schools. That was the 80s. Nobody was speaking of the third world at the time in the school system. And um, I, I just loved my work. And I wanted to organize a, a roving exhibit from school to school on hunger in the world, because I've lived many years in the third world in Senegal, Africa. I lived for five years between two shanty towns. And I mean, about a couple of hundred yards from each one with whom I had, had narrow contact. And, um, and uh, so I knew what hunger was. I've seen hungry people every day for many years. And uh, I gave the budget to the organization. They said, sorry, Pierre, we don't have a penny for that. And uh, you, you have to do with your, without your organization. Well, I took out at that time, at least, or at least, 10,000 pounds out of my pocket, out of my till, to organize this roving exhibit, which went, went very well, we spoke about in the, in the press. And at the same time, I joined a world campaign that started in the States called uh, the World Hunger Project, which has as its aim the end of hunger by the year 2000. And uh, there was one guy in these organizations who hated my guts. He was a militant atheist, and there was something in me that uh, 
disturbed him very much from this point of view. And uh, these organizations convened me to a meeting. They, they first told me, you must not speak about this American hunger project in your schoolwork. We don't like you speaking about it. I think they were a bit leftist and uh, anti-American also. And I accepted that, but I continued to speak of the slogan, the end of hunger by the year 2000, because I was one of the founders of, of the, at the time, the largest grassroots peasant farmers in the whole of Africa, based in Burkina Faso. And one of our main organizations had the same slogan, the end of hunger by the year 2000. They know what the end of hunger means. The people who said you don't have right to say that don't know what it means. And um, and uh, so I couldn't, I stopped speaking about the, the campaign, but I continued speaking of the end of hunger by the year 2000. I was convened then to a meeting without any minutes, no minutes were taken, run, convened and run by this uh, gentleman who hated my guts. And he opened the meeting by saying, I am an atheist, which had nothing to do with the meeting. And they told me, either you stop saying, we can end hunger by the year 2000, or you quit your job. Shelley, these are people who are fighting organization, officially receiving funds from the public and from the government to fight hunger, telling me not to speak about hunger. As one says, they're a bit of, bit cocky up there, they're something not screwed right there. <laughs> and so I took two days to think and then evidently I quit my job because uh, it was committing harakiri to accept something that was so ethically and humanly wrong, totally wrong. So I quit my job and then I developed Shelley, you cannot imagine. Is it Kelly or Shelley? Shelley. Shelley, yes, sorry. <laughs> Shelley, I'm sorry. And I developed the most incredible resentment against these people, and especially this guy who'd set the whole thing in motion. It was eating me up, Shelley. I, I used to wake up in the morning under the shower. I was thinking about this, brr, 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 walking the street, doing the supermarket this became what psychologists called an obsession something i just could not trace it was horrible and uh, i meditated prayed read all sorts of spiritual texts made moments of silence nothing doing and after months of this suddenly i read in the sermon on the mount the words of jesus Bless those who curse you. But of course, Pierre, it's so simple. You simply have to bless them. And there and then, Shelley, I started blessing them. In their goodness, in their peace, in their joy, in their abundance, in their family life, in everything, in their work, in everything you could imagine. First it was in the head because I was, wanted to obey to what I thought was a profound spiritual command. 
but then very soon it moved to the heart because blessing is 100% heart energy. And suddenly a few months later, three months later, I started blessing people in the street, on the bus, in the train, in the supermarket, <laughs> everywhere. And it became such a joy, Shelley. Blessing became such a joy. I couldn't stop. And um, I used to take the train a long time, uh, often at that time. I used to travel the whole length of all the trains I took to be sure to miss no one, blessing everything one on that, on that the train. And then uh, a few months later, I was preparing a talk for an international youth meeting. The theme of the whole conference was healing the world. And that's a lovely, a, a lovely a theme. And while I was writing my conference, suddenly I received uh, literally the only time in my life a text. It was literally, I was like, a, a scribe under orders. I was under dictation, Shelley. It's never happened to me before or since in my life. And my hand could hardly follow my pen. And out came uh, this one page text, The Gentle Art of Blessing. I have a website on it, www linked.org. Okay, so www.gentleartofblessing.org. And we have an extraordinary webmaster. And she wrote for this, for the homepage of the website, this extraordinary text to, no, sorry, I mean, she put incredible music to my text on blessing. And it's on the homepage of the, of the website, you really have to look at it and, le and listeners too. I repeat the address www.gentleartofblessing, all linked, gentleartofblessing.org. And uh, I'm sure you will enjoy her piece because it's so incredibly inspired and beautiful. Bless you. I love when you're saying you're walking up and down and the train and just blessing everyone. But for anyone that might not know, how do you define a blessing? What is a blessing to you? Okay. I, I define it as sending focused energy to a person or a situation. For instance, I have in Geneva many years ago, I created a, a blessing group where we meet every two weeks just to bless individual people, requests, or world situations. God knows there are enough of them. And uh, we spend our evening just, just blessing, quietly, not out loud, quietly. And uh, it's such a lovely practice, you know, because so much of the time, our thoughts just wave on into the atmosphere, or much worse, is more frequent are caught up by some kind of advertising and that enables us to stay centered on what really matters 
in life. I think that's beautiful. So anyone can send a blessing. It's just like a focused intention with absolute love. Exactly. Jesus said, told everyone, just bless. He didn't say that to priests or rabbis or whatever. And I, I hear still so many old-minded people who say, but, but only a priest or a pastor can bless. Not at all. That's not what Jesus said. And it's a universal practice all around the world in many other cultures and religions. And, and you don't have to belong to any religion. You just have to have a, a loving heart. I think it's beautiful. I'm just so aware that we live in a world where there's just so much judgment. We judge ourselves, we judge others. So how oh. can people start being less judgmental of each other each and every day? Judging. Uh, no, to stop judging, start blessing. Bless, bless, bless. You cannot judge and bless. It's absolutely impossible. It's a, a firewall to any judgment of any sort. So I always say like, that what's the one positive change people can make today? So would it be the blessing, that intention of absolute love from the heart or there are other tools you've used to create your life as it is today? The other tool, I'd like to mention right at the end of the, of the show, did you say that you'd ask me a, to give a concrete example? Yeah, of something please do. That people can imply. So I prefer keeping that for the end of the show. See, it's been so powerful. I've yeah. written a whole book on it. Yeah, you can share that now. Okay. Well, uh, one time I lived in a, on a Swiss mountain above Lake Geneva, and I had wonderful spaces to, to do my jogging with the neighbor's dog running after me, and it was so beautiful, and the smell was so incredible. And then I moved into the center of Geneva where my, my future wife lived, and... It was on the, one of the most polluted and noisy streets of Geneva. Not exactly the place to go uh, to go uh, around uh, jogging in winter in a sloshy snow. So uh, I purchased one of these home trainers, you know, to which mimics the bicycle. Oh, I still yeah. do that every morning. I still do that now every morning to keep myself in good shape. And, um, uh, wait, sorry, I just uh, lost my, my frame of thought. Oh yes, so I, I threw myself into this exercise with great vigor and, and great enthusiasm. And after a few weeks, I started having strong pains in the chest. And I, I was, I completely lost my energy. And for three days, I dragged myself through the apartment, literally dragged myself, feeling awfully miserable and victim of the situation. And we have a very beautiful, beautiful view from the living room on, on Geneva and the lake and the mountains beyond. And one day at midday, I was sitting in my arm chaining, 
chair feeling very miserable for myself. And suddenly something, I can't use another word, something threw me up, arms outstretched, legs outstretched, and I started saying, yes, yes, yes. For two, three minutes, very powerful. The pain, the weakness went away instantaneously. And I started doing my exercises with the same vigor and exercise and energy as before. And this experience was so powerful for years in the street. I would walk around saying, yes, one, two, yes, one, two, yes, one, two. And it was so powerful. And then I finally wrote a book on it. It's not a huge book because my publisher has been very innovative in the French-speaking field. He's inaugurated a series of very short books, uh, which can be read in a couple of evenings but which contain the essential of a, a topic, for instance, on personal development. And I wrote one of these 90-page books on just the big yes to life. In, in French, it rings better, le grand oui à la vie. But the sense, the meaning is the big yes to life. So, that so where did that come from? That Was it like a channeling or spiritual moments you call it what you want all <laughs> i can say that i was propelled upwards as if by a rocket held my hands like this for two three minutes and said yes 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 with deep conviction and again david hawkins that great great psychiatrist and one of the greatest psychiatrists of the last century and the states and uh, and who became a spiritual thinker, says the word yes is the most powerful of the human language. Just think of it. I'm not going to develop this in this program because it would, would request a, a much longer development. But the listeners, you, you just think about this when you get home or when you have a quiet moment and try and feel, not think about, but feel the power of the word yes. Behind that word, there is incredible power. Try and feel it. I love that. So thank you so much for sharing today. We've spoke about the blessings. We've got that real focus and you're just sending it, you know, into the most negative person or negative situation. But then you have to do one thing today, that one positive change that we can all do. It starts to not just say yes, but feel yes to yourself, to life and all other opportunities. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I would suggest. At least try it out. And uh, I'm pretty sure many of you will be convinced. Pierre Predevant, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've had the most wonderful life and I think you've been creating positive changes for yourself, but certainly the world as you've gone through. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing with us. Shelley, it's been such a delight talking with you. I, I have many of these podcasts, but today has been very special, very unique, really. I don't say that just to 
satisfying, but I think you feel it comes from the heart. Thank you. It's been a joy talking with you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kickbook from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>